Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast. Andre Galliper. Let's get to it. Trade deadline day. I probably should have waited until after 3 o'clock to have this uh, show recorded. But I'll just record another one. If the Knicks make a deal. Josh Hart. And forgive me if I call him Jason. Jason Hart played for Syracuse. When I was a kid, I thought he was going to be a good NBA player. He was not, and I can't get his name out of my head for the life of me. He doesn't even, he kind of looks like Josh Hart a little bit too. Both in size. So forgive me if it happens. Josh Hart, one of my favorite players in the league. I've wanted him for this franchise since he's came into the league, essentially. Tough-minded Championship pedigree, rebounding guard. He came into the league as a point guard. He has point guard skill set. He's not a point guard in his league, but obviously he, he has the understanding of a point guard. And that's good. You need basketball IQ on the floor, something that historically the Knicks have not had. Even when they've had talented players, they have not had great basketball IQ across the board. You can't just have one guy with basketball IQ. Josh Hart is a... Pretty much everything this Knicks team, this current roster, needed. And there seems to be a lot of question about that. And I understand there's question about the minute allocation. And we'll go into that. And that's a legitimate question. But the idea that the Knicks did not need him. No, the Knicks needed him. The idea that he's here to replace IQ. Listen, you can come back and call me a liar if the trade deadline comes by past later and IQ is gone. But... I think if you've followed this team all year, the Knicks are committed to IQ. They're committed to him, at least right now. They understand his importance to their wins and losses. The fact that he might have been on the block earlier in the year, I don't know if that's really relevant because earlier in the year, he wasn't playing as well as he's playing right now. He was. He had a good floor game. He was great defensively. We all know about his great net rating. How, be- how much better the team plays when he's on the floor? We all know it, but offensively, he was he was not giving you a ton. He wasn't scoring a ton of points. He wasn't shooting a good percentage from three. Uh, sometimes the offense in the half court was kind of rudderless when he was in the game. If he held the ball too long, we talked about that all year, even though he corrected that early on, on in the season. There still wasn't a ton of offense. You didn't see even what you got from rookie IQ. You didn't see that early in the year. And as soon as the trade deadline, I'm sorry, the trade talk and rumors started to circulate, he started playing better. And I talked about it on the show. I said, I don't know if IQ playing better is because he wants to get traded or is he playing better because he doesn't. Literally discussed it on the show. He's been playing well ever since those trade rumors, shooting well, being much more of an offensive force for the role that he has on the team. And I think the team knows, especially since he's a net rating star, And Tibbs has always talked about how important that rating is to him. And I understand he doesn't make all of the front office decisions, but he knows how important IQ is to the success of the team. The team is successful in large part because of how IQ has played. I mean, obviously, he's not the only factor. But the Knicks are winning close games. And when you're talking about close games, guys like IQ who make the plays, high IQ plays, no pun intended, on the court, can defend their position and others. IQ is constantly communicating defensively, which is so underrated. Most of you are not paying attention to that. IQ being on the court telling everybody who to guard, you get this guy, you get that guy, just to start the possession. A lot of teams, if they don't communicate like that, you're getting scored on in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock. 
Secondary transition, primary transition, just because there was no communication getting back on defense. IQ, one of the Knicks stars when it comes to that. He's not the only one, but he's a Knicks star when it comes to that. I think the Knicks know how important IQ is. And I understand some of the pros and cons that I ran through when he was originally on the block. His contract is going to be up. they got to decide if they want to pay him, how much they can pay him. Can't pay everybody. You can't pay all of your role players. I get it. But IQ has shown that he, he might be just a little bit more than a role player ever since that conversation, ever since that, just start, that started to come up. Excuse me. So I don't know if I, – I really don't feel like the Knicks are just going to trade him away for a first-round draft pick, which is what they were thinking about early in the year, which kind of made sense earlier in the year. doesn't make sense now. Things change. So IQ might be a part of a bigger deal. I won't say that. There's a big deal out there for a big-time player. You're not going to sit here and die on the hill of the Knicks are not going to trade IQ. I'm saying they're not going to make a relatively lateral move to move IQ. And in the face of this trade, on the face of this trade, you're seeing it was a first-round protected, top 14 lottery protected pick that went in this trade. So the Knicks are betting. They're betting they're going to the playoffs. They're betting on it. Now, of course, if they don't make the playoffs, they, you know, they can still get the pick and utilize the pick this year and it'll convey to four seconds, and we'll go into that in a second. But the Knicks are all in on going to the playoffs this year. It doesn't really make sense if you understand this team, and the front office should, that you would just remove IQ from the roster for a draft pick if you really want to make the playoffs this year. I understand you have to have a long-term vision for the team, too, and some of those pros and cons still come into play, but that doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like it jives with what the Knicks have been doing, what they're saying, the coach, etc. The same thing for Quentin Grimes. They wouldn't trade Quentin Grimes over the summer. They kept him out of the trade negotiations, and when he was in it, they, at least from what I'm hearing, they substantially reduce the amount of picks that would have gone in the deal because they value him. So I, I don't see them moving Quentin Grimes for Josh Hart when Quentin Grimes is shooting and his defense are primarily why the Knicks turned their season around. IQ was playing well even when the Knicks were up and down and losing. Having a little losing streaks, he was still playing well. But it wasn't until Quentin Grimes joined the lineup that everything turned around. And of course, Quentin, I'm sorry, IQ started playing better. We talked about that already. But I just don't see the Knicks just looking, okay, we could just get rid of Quentin Grimes now because we got Josh Hart. Like, that's just, I just don't know if you can watch the team and think that that's what their thinking is. That just because, becomes one of those things where you feel like the Knicks are, because the Knicks front office of the last 20 years has been trash. Even though this current front office hasn't been, you just feel like the Knicks front office doesn't know what they're doing, so they're going to do something stupid. It, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, in any way, make sense and and line up with what they've been doing for the last few years and what they've been saying and what they did over the summer. It just doesn't make sense that they would move any of those guys, unless we're talking about a situation where they're making a big trade for a big player and then. You know, throw all of that out the window. 
I don't know if that guy is out there right now outside of OG and if they traded quickly and or Grimes for OG, it's definitely going to be a conversation had. But we'll, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But outside of some big all-star level, and OG's not even all-star, but all-star, superstar level player, I don't think those guys are being moved. I don't think they brought in Hart this season to move those guys. Now, does it offer flexibility going forward come offseason? Sure. Hart has a player option uh, that he can. he's likely to decline and sign a bigger contract. He's a former CAA client of Leon Rose, actually. I think he's a current CAA client, and you know the Knicks and the CAA, the, their agency, the player agency, for those of you who don't know, they are all kind of in bed with each other, right or wrong, likely more wrong than right, but not terrible so far. So the idea that he's going to opt out and not re-sign with the Knicks is likely... Is unlikely, I think. Obviously, anything can happen, but I'm pretty sure that Leon Rose and CAA have discussed what the contract requirements and expectations are on, in the offseason, and the Knicks would not have traded that pick to get a guy that they expected to walk. Now, whether or not they overpay him over the summer and all of that, whole nother conversation. Won't get into that. But Josh Hart, as a player, is literally 90% of what the Knicks needed. That last that last 10% is his shooting. He's not a good shooter right now. Kind of a reluctant shooter. Fred Katz in his article, if you check out my Twitter, he broke it down. He's kind of a reluctant shooter this year. Last year, he put up a good amount of threes per game and shot 37%, which is, which is excellent. This year, he's very low volume and has turned down a lot of Three-point shots, and the Knicks don't need that. They don't need him to be a reluctant shooter. Tom Thibodeau will get in his ass if he keeps turning down three-point shots. You know that. If you're watching the game, you know Tom Thibodeau does not like when shooters turn down open shots. Y'all like to shade him. That's fine. Y'all think he's this old-school, archaic coach. He will yell and scream and even yank a player who continues to turn down open threes. He did that to IQ when he was going through his offensive struggles. He did that to IQ earlier in the season. Yanked him out of the game because he didn't take an open three. And the same thing last year. You would see him get into IQ's face for not taking open three. So Josh Hart is going to definitely get screamed on if he doesn't take his open shots. Of course, you want him to shoot confidently. I think with Brunson here, I think we can get the best out of I heart, not I heart. That's going to be a thing too. Josh Hart is going to get the best out of him because Brunson is here. It's going to be helpful. I believe that. Defensively, he gives you everything. A lot of what Miles McBride gives you, and he's the and he's he's the obvious casualty here. As Miles McBride, it's a shame. But again, Fred Katz reported over the summer the Knicks. Did not want to trade Miles McBride. So, Miles McBride has done nothing but reward the confidence of the front office if they didn't want to trade him in the offseason. He's done nothing but play better when given the opportunity. He had some struggles from three, uh, struggles that I'm sure they assumed he would have, especially since he's coming cold off the bench. I haven't been playing. He's only playing 
15 minutes a game, it's easy to say, okay, this average shooter is going to start knocking down shots. But you've seen him recently be a much better shooter. That's why it's a little bit of a shame that he's definitely going to be a casualty here, even though he'll still be situational. He'll still be a guy who's going to come in if somebody's injured. Being a smaller guard, his matchup is going to be guards that is not the heart. You're not going to call heart first to guard. Heart is going to be better for the wing players, the players that Quentin Grimes guards, which is why the Knicks needed this position. Because when Quentin gets into foul trouble or if Quentin is hurt, they don't have anyone else to go to to stop these shooting guard, small forward wing players with size because quickly. As great as he's been defensively, he's a little too small for some of these guys. And Quentin has been great guarding these guys. But when he gets into foul trouble, the Knicks are stuck. They're a very small team because R.J. Barrett can't guard anybody. So this allows the Knicks to have options on bigger guards. And we're not talking about Jason Tatum, okay? But bigger guards and wings that... The Knicks, as soon as Quentin Grimes gets into foul trouble, the Knicks are in trouble because they got to play small. They got to play McBride, Brunson, and quickly at the one through three position because R.J. Barrett, they have to play them more because R.J. Barrett can't can't guard anybody. They can't guard anybody. So if Quentin is out of the game, it hurts even though quickly is a great rebounding guard and Miles is a hustler and Brunson is a hustler. That size, it, it burns you sometimes. Hart is 9 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and 1 steal a game. That's what he is. On 50% shooting from 2. So you're talking about a guy who can come in the game as a backup to Quentin and, and not lose size and defense at that position. You're still getting good defense from quickly McBride. I get it. But you don't have enough size on the perimeter to defend some of these matchups. Especially if Quentin is hurt, especially if he's in foul trouble. He gives you that insurance for his defense and depth defensively. With size and rebounding, something the Knicks have struggled with. So I don't think he takes significant minutes from Quentin Grimes. If you don't know how much Tibbs loves Quentin Grimes in IQ, I just I don't know what you're watching. Now, I understand the front office can have their own plans, and IQ is in a different situation contractually than Quentin Grimes is. And I'll say it again a superstar becomes available, and these guys, one of these guys might go. I get it. But just as a lateral move or just as in, in uh, asset collection, they're not moving those guys. They didn't bring in Josh Hart to replace those guys, they brought in Josh Hart to play with those guys, to back those guys up, insurance for each other. Because he's going to play, but he's not taking IQ's minutes. Now IQ is going to be the primary backup point guard. Not having to share duties with McBride. He doesn't have to guard bigger players. You don't have to run quickly into the ground just because you need a high IQ defensive guard on the floor. You have heart now. You don't have to run Quentin Grimes into the ground. Because you need a larger wing defender. That's what this is. And again, Miles is a casualty here. And who knows what the future holds for the roster. Don't think long term 
the roster can look dramatically different in the offseason. It could look dramatically different by this afternoon. But I think, again, in the offseason, you don't know what, you, what you're going to have, what you're going to get, all right? But for right now, Miles is probably going to be situational, and he's being replaced with a player who is better than him. Whatever Miles does defensively is not head and shoulders better than what Josh Hart does. And he does it for more positions. Okay, so that's what that is. He's not taking if the only minutes he's taking from quickly is rest minutes. Same thing with Grimes. So get off that. And again, I'm prognosticating. I understand. But get off that. That's not what this is. I really don't think so. But let me tell you what. That R.J. Barrett, though. For all you R.J. Barrett stands out there, let me explain something to you. He is most definitely eating into R.J. Barrett's minutes. He is most definitely going to be on the floor sometimes at the end of the game. Most definitely. Down the stretch, in the clutch. Whoever's playing well is going to play. If he's playing well, Grimes is not going to be in the game. If he's playing better than quickly, he's going to be in the game. I wouldn't, don't count that as taking minutes away or whatever. He's not going to take minutes away if he's not playing better than them. And if those guys are playing well, they're going to be in the game. Quickly's earned that. But this is definitely a depth play. And R.J. Barrett is the one, uh, we, we talked about Miles, but R.J. Barrett is the one who stands to lose here. Because his lack of focus and hustle defensively, and you saw that in the Orlando game, which we're not going to go into too much because we'd be burying the lead. You saw that in the Orlando game. His lack of hustle and focus and attentiveness, it burns the team. It hurts the team. He turned it on down the stretch of that game, but it hurts the team. And that's why he sat. That's why he was benched. That's why he. That's why a lot of games, you'll see quickly coming to that game. Quick. Because RJ's defense is... Hurting, this, hurting the team. His lack of physicality. He doesn't make offensive players feel him at all. He's just, they're just gliding past him. He doesn't fight for rebounds. He doesn't fight for hustle plays. He's not, he's not hustling all the time on rotations. Not hustling all the time back on defense. This is what Art, this is what Josh Hart does every game, all game. So, those nights where R.J. Barrett has it going and he plays 35 minutes, <clears throat> I don't think so. You know, Tibbs tends to reward guys who are playing well. We know that. Josh Hart is going to eat into R.J. Barrett's minutes. I'm telling you that now. Y'all are focused on Quentin Grimes and quickly. I'm telling you. He is going to eat into R.J. Barrett's minutes. Okay? Jalen Brunson is going to play a few less minutes, not because of play, but because of rest. The Knicks rely on him for heavy minutes. And he rewards them, but it's a long season. You're coming down the stretch. You're going to have some tough games. 
Quickly is going to eat into a little bit of Brunson's minutes because Hart allows Quickly to play more minutes for Brunson to rest and have another adult on the floor outside of just matching Quickly with R.J. Barrett, who sometimes is good offensively. He hasn't played well the last couple of weeks, but because of his defense, the Knicks can struggle sometimes. His defensive lack of physicality, all that stuff. Now you have another adult on the floor. Even with RJ, because again, he's going to play some shooting guards, small forward. You don't have to rush Brunson back in the game to me because the bench unit has struggled some nights, right? So the bench unit has struggled, so the Knicks had to rush back Randall or rush back Brunson. And we won't talk about Randall right now. Maybe Josh Hart allows for the Knicks to weather those second unit storms a little bit more. Having another adult on the floor, another professional who can make plays allows the Knicks to sit Brunson for a couple more minutes, sit Randall for a couple more minutes, and I'll come back to Randall. That's why this is not going to affect quickly. Hart gives them that luxury. But R.J. Barrett, they're going to be a lot quicker to pull R.J. Barrett and run lineups with Hart, Grimes, quickly, Hart, Grimes, Brunson, Brunson, quickly, Hart, They'll be a lot quicker to run those lineups. He's definitely eating into RJ's minutes, which is okay. Which is okay. Not because I'm shading RJ, but because RJ playing a little less than 30 minutes a game on average is not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. It's not shade. Maybe it allows him to focus more, hustle more. Maybe he's a little tired. Maybe he's a little fatigued. I don't think it's the end of the world. Even if you're the biggest RJ stand there is, it's not, a, it's not the end of the world that he's playing a few less minutes per game. Because there are some games where he's playing a lot of minutes. And it's not all because he's playing well. It's because they don't have a lot of options at his size especially. So don't make it a bad thing to add depth at that position. Just know that R.J. Barrett's on notice if he doesn't play well. And it's not just about playing well offensively, but defensively. But let me talk about this other aspect of it that I don't think anyone is talking about. The other guy who plays a lot of minutes and plays hard minutes is Julius Randle. Right? Let's be clear. Obi Toppin might not make it past the trade deadline. So this might all be moot, okay? It might be moot. Let me check my phone. Let me check my phone right now. Let me see. Twitter. Let's see these Twitter alerts. All right, let's open it up. Milwaukee Bucks sending two times. Oh, that's a joke. Nonsense. Let's see what we got. Make sure that Obi Toppin has not been traded before I waste my breath. Right. Let's see. Let's see. Woj. Anything? Woj. Let's stay focused on Josh Hart. Um. Yep. It doesn't. It doesn't appear. Doesn't appear that Obi Toppin's been traded. So let's talk about it. Okay. If he is here, past the deadline, one of the reasons. 
One of the reasons, and we'll go through all the reasons, but one of the reasons why Julius Randle comes in and plays as many minutes as he plays at the expense of Obi Toppin, outside of Julius Randle having an outstanding season, is because Obi Toppin is not great defensively. He is often lost on his rotations. But last but not least, he is not a very physical presence in the paint on either end of the floor. Okay? Sometimes the Knicks, outside of just needing Julius Randle for his scoring, sometimes the Knicks are being pushed around and dictated to on both sides of the floor because Obi Toppin is a lightweight on the front line. And if he's in the game with R.J. Barrett, collectively, they are lightweights at the small forward and power forward position. The center is usually okay. The Knicks, every team who wants to win games in the league, you have to be physical. You have to let the other team feel you. R.J. Barrett does not do that enough, even with his good size. Obi Toppin, that's just not his game right now. He is a very finesse game, and you're putting him in a position where he has to be a physical presence, and he's not. Not on either side of the floor. He's not a physical presence. He gets pushed around, knocked around. He's not slowing anybody down with his body. And R.J. Barrett isn't either. So that second unit lineup is real light in the loafers. Now, R.J. can turn it on and be a little bit more physical with his size at that position, but he doesn't. He's not. Maybe he turns it around, but he's not. Now you might have a second unit that has Josh Hart on the floor. Even if R.J. Barrett is playing, now you have at least one guy on the floor who is that physical presence. And even though Quentin Grimes plays with physicality, he's not big. He's not... They're the same height, but he is not the same strength as Jason as Josh Hart. Yeah, I did it. I did it. I called him Jason. He is not. He's not averaging nine rebounds, eight nine eight rebounds a game. Okay. Quentin Grimes is not getting all those rebounds. Maybe having Josh Hart on the floor adds some physicality in the paint defensively where it's needed. Match him up with the with uh, the guy who needs that kind of force to be met with, has that kind of physicality on the boards. And understand, Obi Toppin is rebounding better than he ever has. It's still not, he's still not a physical presence down there, but he is rebounding a whole lot better. Okay? Maybe Josh Hart adding a physical presence to that second unit that has been small this year and light this year outside of the center position allows Obi Toppin to be Obi Toppin allows Obi Toppin to flourish just a little bit more without giving up as much as he's been giving up consistently and I understand some games that's not true and Julius still comes in the game I get it I'm just throwing this out there Maybe having Hart and his physical presence in that second unit allows for for the Knicks to be able to accentuate what Obi does 
without losing the force and physicality that they have been losing in that unit all year. In other words, that lineup, whatever manifestation it comes in, because obviously there are different parts and pieces, quickly Grimes, Brunson, quickly whatever. But having no Julius Randle, that means no physicality in the paint. That means not a whole lot of contested rebounds or less contested rebounds. Maybe Hart strengthens the weaknesses of those lineups, which allows the lineup to flourish more, which allows Obi to play a few more minutes, allows Randall to rest a little bit longer, which might benefit him down the stretch of games where he's clearly very tired and has earned fatigue. Even though there are stretches where it doesn't look like he's putting in a lot of effort, there are a lot more stretches where he is. He, he runs more miles. As a team, the Knicks run more miles than most of the teams in the league throughout the game. Randall is playing hard and he's playing physical. Now, I will couch all of that to say that there are times the second unit is playing well and Julius Randall has been put back in the game. Recently, in recent weeks, I've seen that a little bit less. I've seen that a little bit less. I've seen Tibbs roll with the lineups just a little bit longer if they were playing well than you saw earlier in the year. I think there's a chance that adding Josh Hart to that unit takes away some of the flaws of that unit and allows Obi to stay in the game longer. On top of the fact that the second unit is getting a guy who knows how to make plays. Just in general. So all in all, if you're wondering where Hart's minutes are going to come from, he's not going to play 35, 40 minutes a game unless a whole bunch of people aren't playing well. Okay? But, and I'll start at the least likely, which is the whole explanation of the second unit in Obi Toppin and Julius Randle. He's going to take some, he's going to take more minutes from R.J. Barrett than you think. He's going to take a tick of minutes from Jalen Brunson just for a little bit of rest. He's going to take Miles McBride's minutes. That's where his minutes are coming from. And not going to be a ton of minutes. Okay? Also, there's an outside chance that Knicks go to a 10-man rotation. <laughs> this is an outside chance, but that's, that's not going to do nothing but piss Evan Fournier off if he's still on the roster. Because he was just talking the other day about how Tibbs is pretty set on sticking with the nine-man rotation. So as soon as they trade for a guy and make it a ten-man rotation, Evans going to be fuming. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance they'll blow this whole show out of the water. But there's a chance. But if it's going to stay nine-man rotation, Miles is going to take the hit. And everybody else is going to get a little bit more rest. And RJ is going to be put on notice. I mean, That's the best way I can encapsulate all of this. Outside of next making a huge move. By the trade deadline. And let's not think beyond this season. Just, just look at this season. This this trade makes the Knicks a better team. Now, that, I'm not going to talk about Cam. I've talked about Cam all year long. That's my phone. It probably broke. So, yeah, I'm not going to talk about Cam. Done with that. We'll just focus on the pick that was moved here. Right? That first round pick the Knicks gave up was their own pick. It's top 14 protected. If it doesn't convey, it turns into 
four seconds. All right, for, for some of the newer fans, that means if the Knicks pick falls in the top 14, that means they get that pick. If it falls after 14, then that means the pick goes to Portland. Now, the Knicks have another pick that is all but guaranteed to convey from the Dallas Mavericks. So the Knicks were going to have, assuming that the Knicks make the playoffs, which is what the Knicks are betting, right? The Knicks are going to have, oh, that's a trade. Let's let's cover it. Shams, Boston Celtics are acquiring Mike Muscala from the Thunder. That's funny because Mike Muscala lit up the Lakers the other day and now the, the Celtics snatched him up. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't report who for. It's not going to be anything huge more than likely. But this pick, if the Knicks make the playoffs, which is what they're betting here, they make the playoffs, or I should say, if they didn't trade this pick and they made the playoffs, then they would have been picking around the same point in the draft as the Dallas Mavericks, which which means they would have had two first-round draft picks in the teens. That means a guaranteed cap hold of, I forget what it is for first-round draft picks around that. I think it's probably like $6 million, $7 million, somewhere around there. Eight, somewhere around there. Six, seven, five, somewhere around there. Okay? Don't, let's, I'm not going to look it up. That means the Knicks would have had two rookies on the roster that are not ready to play, and you know what the Knicks are trying to do here. But I get it, I get it. Everybody wants the youth movement. There's not enough roster space to take on all of the rookies from all of the picks the Knicks have. They cannot draft all of those players. Now, I understand a lot of you believe this to be a, a very deep draft. I don't know how deep this draft is. I know there's some great players at the top of this draft. After that, who knows? But it's not like the Knicks don't have a pick. They still have a pick. It's Dallas's pick. And it's going to be picked right around the same time. Drafting two rookies onto this team with the cap hold that those picks come with doesn't really fit with what the Knicks are doing right now. If you want to doubt and cast aspersions on what the Knicks are doing right now, that's perfectly fine. Just so you know, that's not what the Knicks are doing right now. Okay? They cannot draft two rookies. I shouldn't say cannot. It's unlikely they're going to draft two rookies and have them sitting on the roster this year. They're not doing that. You can definitely criticize them if you want for not going down that road, but they're not doing it. They still have one pick, though. So it's not like they don't have one at all, and it's going to be right around the same point in the draft, more than likely. Who knows what happens with Dallas with this whole Kyrie thing. But here's the interesting thing. The reason why, two things. A lot of times when you trade a first-round pick and you protect it and it doesn't convey. If it doesn't convey, it usually maybe turns into a protected pick the next year. And if that pick doesn't convey, it turns into a protected pick the next year. There's a rule in the NBA, and this is as per Fred Katz. I'm familiar with the rule as well, but I didn't process it as the reason why the Knicks made this pick protected the way they did. The reason there's a ruling NBA that says you cannot trade picks in 
consecutive drafts. So if the Knicks traded this pick and had a protection on it that conveyed until next year, or I should say got pushed forward until next year because it didn't convey this year, that means they would be unable to trade next year's pick. The Knicks want to keep flexibility in their picks so that they can trade them for a superstar if they come available, something that's looking more and more like a pipe dream. But they have to keep that flexibility. If they put protections on this pick that pushed it till next year, it would make next year's pick untradeable. Okay? So they added this conveyance of four second-round picks, which is unusual, but that's the reason it's four second-round picks. Because if it doesn't convey this year... It's not going to push forward until next year and make those picks untradeable. So there was a lot of forward thinking in how they structured the protections on that pick. And again, if you're one who says, oh, we don't want to trade all picks anyway. Why do we want to trade all these picks? Hey, you're seeing these trades, right? You saw the Phoenix Suns traded four unprotected picks to get Kevin Durant, right? And two of their standout young players, right? That's, that's what these things cost. That's what those guys cost. They have to keep that flexibility. Well, if they want to trade picks, why would they trade this pick just for Josh Hart? Because legitimate beef, legitimate question. The Knicks have some first-round picks of other teams that might not convey. A lot of people believe they won't. I think it's questionable that they, in theory, would have been better for them to trade. But in theory, Portland didn't want them. <laughs> you don't think the Knicks would have given them a weaker pick if they had the choice? The Knicks don't know what they're doing. Okay, I'm sure the Knicks would rather give them a pick that they didn't have a whole lot of faith was going to convey into a first rounder. Portland, they might not have been having it. The market for Josh Hart was probably a lot bigger than some of you Knicks fans are, are savvy enough to realize because you don't really watch the league. You watch Nick. You just watch the Knicks. Some of you. So maybe there was competition for this pick. I mean, for this player. I'm sure the Knicks wanted to give them a weaker pick, but they put a lot of thought into it, and I'm not excited about trading this first-round pick as much as I like Josh Hart. Josh Hart, I'm not excited about it, about that pick that they gave up, but you, you know, if they had given up one of the weaker picks, it would have been a definite win. So maybe... You know, Maybe you're being a little too Nick-centric and thinking they should have just flat out won the deal. Now, for those of you who bring up the pick that the Knicks sent for Cam, listen, the Knicks screwed up on Cam. It happened. They screwed up, period. You can get into the ins and outs of it. They screwed up. They, The Knicks shouldn't have traded for him, all things considered. Okay, they also screwed up drafting Kevin Knox. If you want to go real, you want to go that far back with it. But the pick that they traded them was Charlotte's first round draft pick going back to last year, and it had protections on it. Okay, it had protections on it. Look at this: the Milwaukee Bucks are acquiring Jay Crowder. From the Brooklyn Nets for five second round draft picks. Wow, that's all he that's all he got after all of this? I mean five second rounds a lot, but that's that's it. 
the Nets don't want any players back, so keep that in mind. But that's funny. After all of this, Jay Crowder got traded for five second round draft picks. That's hilarious. The Nets are going to be a... We're going to go into the Nets real quick. But let me just finish up the point on Cam Reddish. That was a late round protected first rounder that starts to, every year, if it doesn't convey, it moves up a little bit. Essentially, Charlotte needs to make the playoffs in order for that pick to convey. And in 2022, I believe it was top 18 protected. I should have pulled it up. In 2022, I believe it was top 18 protected. And then it starts to move up every year. Charlotte's a lottery team. They're a lottery team this year. They're probably going to be a lottery team next year. That pick is likely to never convey. Into anything but some second round picks. Two seconds. Unless I miss something. That pick, and I believe that pick was traded in the DeJounte Murray trade. It's essentially two seconds. It's it's no guarantees. Charlotte doesn't look like they're going to be in the playoffs in the next couple of years. Okay, it just doesn't. If they are, it, okay, you get a pick in the teens. Sorry, you know, the Knicks have been messed up. But right now, it doesn't look like it's the worst thing in the world. But you're right. That, that Cam Reddish deal was a mistake. But once it became a mistake, what are, you, what are they supposed to do? They're not supposed to trade him anymore? You're supposed to trade him for two seconds? Because you weren't getting much. You don't think this was the best offer the Knicks, the, the best return the Knicks could have gotten? Essentially, everything the Knicks wanted. And then some. Subtracting his lack of shooting. But we'll see about that. I think he's a better shooter than everyone thinks he is right now, but... He's going to have to show that on the floor. So, yeah, give the Knicks a failing grade on Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is going to average 50 points a game for the Trailblazers. Okay? Give him a failing grade. But I would not give him a failing grade on this trade. They didn't necessarily win the trade. But you can't win every trade. But they got a player that I think they could use right now and going forward. And if if you're concerned about anything... Especially going into this trade deadline, understand that this trade doesn't make IQ and Quentin Grimes more expendable. Not even McBride, based on Fred Katz's article over the summer. I think it might make R.J. Barrett expendable. I just, I'm not saying directly. I'm not saying directly. I'm saying R.J. Barrett is the guy in the rotation right now. That doesn't fit with what the Knicks are trying to do. Even Brunson, even though Brunson's not a great defensive player for various reasons, he's a hustler and grinder. R.J. Barrett is not right now. He's not. And with the Knicks superstar hunting, there's a chance that R.J. Barrett doesn't make it past the deadline. Who knows? But if he does, if he does make it past the deadline, just understand he might not make it through the summer. He's got to turn it up. More realistically, I think it might make Obi more expendable, even though you got to bring back another big body. I think you'll see a lot of small lineups if Obi is traded where Hart stays on the floor. 
and plays small ball four, or R.J. Barrett plays small ball four, but really is is Hart that's going to be banging around with people in the paint. I, I think there is a chance of that. I I'm not going to I'm not I'm not advocating for it. I think there's a chance of it, but more than likely the Knicks make don't make a big trade. Ob might get moved, but it might not be some for something that actually is a, a significant impact on the rotation. It might just be draft compensation and and uh, a young body, a young warm body to back up Julius Randle. But who knows? We'll see. We'll see. But I I'm excited for the team on the on the Josh Hart trade. Real real really briefly on. The huge Kevin Durant trade to Phoenix Suns of Macau Bridges, Cam Cam Johnson, and four unprotected picks literally traded everything they have for Kevin Durant, and they have turned the Western Conference upside down, turned the Nets upside down. I got all the jokes in the world for the Nets, but the Nets roster is still problematic, and that pisses me off because they have a zillion wings, and they're going to keep making trades. God knows what the Nets are going to do. They're still good enough to actually play 500 basketball for the rest of the season. So I'm really interested to know where the Nets, where the Nets are going to go on this trade in this trade deadline. They already moved Jay Crowder just to get him off the roster. Got a couple assets for him. I think they have enough assets to bring in a guy like OG Ananobi or Siakam and or Fred Finn Fleet if they actually want to go that route. Who knows? I don't know. I'm real curious about it. I see another trade has come down the pike. Let's see. Oh, the Pacers are waving my guy, Batazde. That's my guy. That's my guy, Batazde. If I ever learn how to say his name. Oh, what's this? Indiana is acquiring Noir from the Bucks. Oh, as part of the Jay Crowder deal, the three-way deal. Okay. Hmm. The Knicks should go after that boy. I like that guy. Um. Yeah. Okay. And the Lakers traded. The Lakers traded Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets. But Deron Reed and three second round picks. So they just got him off the roster, it looks like. The Lakers get Denver's seconds in 25, 26, and 29. That that allows them, that helps them trade that 29 pick with protections, I believe. Mm, opens up minutes for Vanderbilt and Gabriel in the rotation. So yeah, they just getting Bryant out of the up out of the paint. So they're really kind of rounding their roster out. But yeah, Durant blows up the Nets. Kyrie blows up the Nets. I remember all the talk about the Nets taking over the city. I'm not going to do it. It's going to be it's going to be on Twitter. Just go ahead and check it out. But that trade makes the Western Conference a whole this changes the entire landscape of the Western Conference and and who's a favorite and you know Phoenix has to round that roster out. They don't have I don't think they have quite enough to compete in the playoffs just because they just need, I just think I think they just need one more good rotation guy, maybe two, just to round just to round that out, just give them give themselves just a little bit of depth. 
And I understand you don't need a ton of depth in the playoffs, but you just need to have guys to throw in there that are functional. I think they just need like a nice, solid power forward and, a, and another guy off the bench that can come in and give them some minutes. But the Phoenix Suns are looking real scary right now. The Nets are in a state of flux but have so many options after robbing the Phoenix Suns of all of their picks. Unprotected. Understand that the the Suns are probably going to be good for the next two, three years. Those picks are every other year because you can't trade consecutive years. So probably the first couple of those picks are not going to be great, great picks for the Nets. But those picks after that are probably going to be pretty good. And getting Cam and Mikel, those are nice young wing, wings that people kind of like. And Cam, his contract is coming up. Whether or not they pay him, they got guys like Royce O'Neal and Seth Curry that are out there. They still got Ben Simmons stealing money on the roster. So the Nets podcast, I'd go check it out. It's got a lot to talk about. Probably going to have a, hot, a lot more to talk about after today. But the Knicks, better today than they were yesterday. Didn't mortgage their future. Good trade. I can't wait to see them on the floor together. Exciting. Next, what, 20 games of the season, I guess. 20 or so games. The Knicks can make a push in the playoffs now. The Nets might fall a little bit in in the standings. Atlanta's coming. Miami's coming. They're already here. Fun times. Make sure you check out sportsethos.com for all of the fantasy league ramifications of all these moves. Super Bowl coming up this weekend. They have a lot of wagering uh, advice. Go check it out. Follow at Sports Ethos on Twitter. Follow at Ethos Knicks, especially today. Get on it. 